Matthew chapter 16, we're going to look at a few verses there today, and uh, <clears throat> let's look at verse 21. It says, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. And Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. We see what Jesus came to do. Earlier in, in chapter 16, we saw who Jesus was. Peter had this great confession that that Jesus was the Christ. He says, you are the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one, the son of the living God. And then now Jesus says, listen, you're right about that, he said, and you got those words from the Father. You're, the Father gave you those words. They're, vo they're words from heaven. And then Jesus says to them, you know, this is what I came to do, the Messiah, the son of the living God. I came to suffer, that I must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things. And that I must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Jesus, the Messiah, the anointed one, the son of the living God, what he came to do was to give his life for you and for me. Of course, we see and, and we talked about how essential it is without the cross, without the resurrection, you and I, we have no hope at all. The necessity of those things. We have no hope whatsoever without the cross and the resurrection. But Peter, of course, the, the great, incredible Peter, takes Jesus aside and begins to rebuke him. Never, he says twice, never, Lord, this shall never happen to you. Jesus had said, must, this must happen twice. Peter said, never, but we're, we're glad that Jesus followed the way of the Father, right? God sent his only begotten Son into the world. But Peter, you know, we, 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 they, they talked about failures, and, you know, we all fail like that, too. We, you know, we have these brilliant and inspired words one moment, and the next moment we've got inspired words, but they're inspired from another place, right? Some are inspired from heaven, from the Father, and the other, the other words we speak. And how many here cannot, you know, can say, honestly say that you've never spoken something that you realize later that really wasn't a very good thing to say? And there might have been something more behind that than even I knew. They were inspired from Satan. They were inspired from hell. And we talked about James. But God's plan has always been the cross and the resurrection. You read about that, you know, Jesus, that he was slain from the foundation of the world. He knew from the foundation of the world that he would send his son. The father would send his son for you and for me, that he would be killed and on the third day be raised to life. What he came to do is the cross. What the, the final part of this equation, who he is, number one, what he came to do and then what must you and I do? We've talked about it. I talked about it last week a little bit. But let's pick it up there, and we're going to read a few verses there from uh, verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself. There's that word must again. 
and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world yet forfeits his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? Jesus kind of opens this right up, right? He, 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 he says this is what he's going to do, but then he says what you and I must do. It's not an automatic thing, right? He says it's open to anyone, though. He says if anyone would come after me, he said this is what I'm going to do. But for you, if it's open to anyone, open to all. Not just certain ones, but it's not guaranteed. But to do that, there, there, there are things that you and I must do. It's not automatic. You know, we're born in America, so we're automatically Christians, right? We're, a, you know, quote-unquote Christian nation. I heard Jay Sekulow say the other day, though, that it was never a Christian nation because nations can't be Christians. People are Christians. But the point of it is, is, you know, we, we take these things for granted. Maybe our parents were Christians or are Christians, and, and it's just an automatic thing. Jesus said No. It's not something that you are, you know, have automatically. It's something that you must do. And he says, these are the things that you must do. Deny ourselves. Take up our cross and follow after Jesus. I want you to turn with me to Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14. Luke's account of these uh, verses, are, are, uh, he adds some to this discussion for you and for me, I believe. Luke chapter 14, verse 27. He says, Anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. This is what Jesus said. But then look what he says in verse 28 and following. He says, Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Will he not first sit down and estimate the cost to see if he has enough money to complete it? For if he lays the foundation and is not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule him, saying, This fellow began to build and was not able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Another king. Will he not first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and ask for terms of peace in the same way any of you who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. That's pretty black and white, isn't it? Jesus said you got to count the cost. He says if you want to be my disciple, how much is it going to cost? And he uses that word there in verse 33. How much is it going to cost? Well, it's the word he used. She said it. She mouthed it. Everything. It's going to cost everything. It's what it says right there. Right? We read the Bible and, and we, we, we look what it says. We believe what God's Word says. Right? That's what He said. He who does not give up everything, he, he cannot be my disciple. That doesn't mean now, now does that mean we, you know, we, we gather up all of our stuff and we, we go to the Salvation Army and we put it over there by there? That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about on the inside of us where we, we give it all over to him completely and totally. Count the cost, he says. If you want to follow me, 
If you, if you really, let's go back to Matthew 16. If you, really, if you really want to be my disciple, if anyone would come after me, this is what he must do. The third must in this passage. Jesus must go to Jerusalem and suffer. He must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. But you and I, it says there, we must deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow him. The cost is everything. You know, we, 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 need to, we need to count the cost. We need to understand, are we going to live for Jesus or are we just going to play a game? Are we going to be pretend Christians? Are we just going to carry the name? Or are we going to truly live for Jesus Christ? It's a decision we all make. And it's a decision we make daily, as we'll see. A decision that you and I have to, uh, you know, every day when we get up, offer ourselves back to Jesus Christ. Because what, what truly happens is, is that we do that once and then what happens? We start to take it back. We start to grab it back. Well, let me just have that part. It says there that, that we must do what? Let's look at those three things there. Number one, he says we must deny ourselves. He must deny himself. What does that mean? Deny ourselves. Well, we're kind, of, we're kind of been brainwashed. We've kind of been told that we should have everything that we want. You know, it's kind of hard to, it's kind of hard to reconcile that with raising children, but the, there, is this, there is still this philosophy that we should be able to have everything we want. It's all within our reach. We should, you know, look out for ourselves. My plans, my wants, my needs, my ambition, my everything. But Jesus said the first part of this process to, is to deny ourselves. And, and uh, uh, one man said these words. He says, deny, to deny oneself means in every moment of life to say no to self and to say yes to God. To deny oneself means once, finally, and for all to dethrone self and to enthrone God. To deny oneself means to obliterate self as a dominant passion of life and to make God the ruling Principle, the ruling passion of life. Who's on the throne? That's the question. Who's number one here? You see, because if, if God is not on the throne, then who is? And, and, and if, if whoever else is on the throne in our lives, what do we call that? What does the Bible call that? Idolatry. When we put other things in the place where only God should be, that's idolatry. Deny ourselves doesn't mean that, that, that you know, we never get anything for ourselves. See, people take these words and they kind of twist them all around and, and make them say what God isn't saying. Jesus said back in Matthew chapter 6, he says, seek first the kingdom of God, what? And then all these things will be added to you. He'll take care of all of our needs. Seek first the kingdom of God. Put him on the throne. Make him number one. Deny what ourselves and just thinking about me and think about him. And then he takes care of all the other stuff. The other stuff. Right? Other. That's what I said. Other. Deny ourselves. Don't buy into the lies. That, 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 you know, look out for number one. That's the most important thing. Jesus said something different. Who are we going to believe? Who are we going to follow? Who are we going to listen to? 
We've got choices all day long. Are we going to listen to what the world says? Or are we going to listen to what God's word says? Right? Number one is him. I love it. I love it. I love it where, where you know, John the Baptist, he says, he says, I must what? Decrease. And he must what? Increase. That's not a natural thing in our personalities, right, is it? Our natural thing is, you know, I've got a, you know, a little bit of pride, a little bit of ego, a little bit of building myself up. And that's just natural. That's sin. That's part of our flesh. But he says, if you want to go my way, first thing is to deny ourselves. Second is to take up our, take up our cross. The NIV Study Bible says that this is a picture of a man already condemned, requiring being required to carry the beam of his own cross to the place of execution. Cross-bearing is a willingness to suffer and die for the Lord's sake. It's not just having, you know, like arthritis or something. Well, that's my cross to bear. Warren Wiersbe said that, I once met a, a lady who told me her asthma was the cross she had to bear. He says, to take up the cross means to identify with Christ and his rejection, shame, suffering, and death. Where you and I take up the cross, and, we, and it's not like we're, we're paying the price for our sin, but we are identifying with Jesus Christ, taking him into our lives to die to sin and to self in the world, one man said. Luke adds this, uh, this word daily. Daily. Die. Take up our cross daily, he said. Daily. How often is that? Oh, every day. That's radical, isn't it? This is discipleship. This is what following Jesus is about. But we have watered down things so much and we've gotten so far away from the, the Word of God. And, 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 you know, it's just like, well, whatever I think it means, that's what it means. Or whatever I think being a Christian is, that's what being a Christian should be. But He's told us what it should be. It's a life of discipleship, of truly following after Him, denying myself and following Him, picking up the cross, picking up my cross daily, dying to myself. Look what he says in uh, verse 25. He says, For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses it or loses his life for me will find it. So he, he goes on to say there that, that this doesn't mean you're not going to have any kind of a life. Oh, that's so depressing, Pastor. You're telling me I, I have to, you know, I have to deny myself and take up my cross, and that's the, the whole of the Christian life and experience. Well, that's a lie. That is a lie. He says if you, you lose your life for me, you're going to find what true life is really all about, and that's where we're going to be able to truly find life and live, a life of of purpose and meaning and contentment. We're not going to find it in the things of the flesh and the things of the world. How many of you, if I asked you, have you tried to find fulfillment in, in drugs or alcohol or sex or relationships or jobs or ambition or money, that, that you've gone to those things and you found out, you know what, I got all those things, but they didn't quite do what I thought they were going to do. Now again, it's not bad to have those things in the right in the right perspective, in the right way, in the right time, and as God would provide them. But this is a matter of the heart. Who 
Whoever wants to save his life will lose it. Again, to protect myself, look after number one, my own safety, my own security, me, myself, and I. Those are my guiding, three guiding principles. Me, myself, I. That determines how I live my life, right? Hello? <laughs> do, do any of you, can you understand that, relate to that? You wake up in the morning, me! What's the first thing you do? You go in front of the mirror and you look at me! Oh. Some of us take down all the mirrors in the house. Me, myself, and I. He says, wait a minute. If you want to find true life, don't start there. Start with him. Whoever loses his life for me says he will find it. We will find it. You read about a guy named Moses. Any, any of you ever heard about Moses? You've heard of him? <clears throat> Moses was a, was a pretty incredible man. He wasn't perfect, though. We know that. We, we can read about his failures and that. But it says about him in uh, the book of Hebrews, these words. It says, he, he chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt. Why? Because he was looking ahead to his reward. He made choices in his life, you see. He, he said, listen, I, I'm going I'm to go with, the, with God's plan. I'm going to go with God's purpose, with God's people, and let God take care of me because I know what, what the end is. He chose. He made those decisions. He could have gone that route. You know, he had, you know, you know his story. He had, he had it all on a silver platter, right? He could have had anything he wanted to have. And you watch some of the movies, and it, it, you see kind of, you know, what he, what he had. He had everything. And he said, you know what? I'm going to go God's way. And God put a call upon his life, and he answered that call. He chose to do what God called him to do. Because he was looking ahead to his reward. If we lose our lives for him, we give our lives over to him, we're going to find what true life is all about. John 12 says the same words. The man who loves his life will lose it, while the man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. That doesn't mean you walk around, I hate my life, I hate my life. No, we're talking about who's, who, who we've given our lives to. If we're holding it you know, selfishly for ourselves, or we've given it over completely and totally to him. That's the choice that we make. What good will it be, he says there in verse 26, for man, if he gains the whole world, yet forfeits his soul? What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world, yet forfeits his soul? What's most important? We'll finish with those verses because I want to I wanna, I wanna leave you with that thought. You know, what we can get, how much we can get. We've kind of bought into that. America, land of plenty. You go, you know, I've been around to different places and some of you have also been to other places where you see that it's not quite like that everywhere else. You know, we've got our great name it and claim it preachers where, you know, you can get everything you want. You just name it and then you claim it. But their message doesn't work very well when you go to a place like India. Right? 
But here, you know, go to a place like India and, and you know, it's, you know, people have nothing. It's not about how much you can get. You can be the richest man in the world. You've read and heard about different, uh, you know, people in the world who had everything. A guy like Howard Hughes, how did he end up? Yeah, dead, of course. We know that. <laughs> the guy, you know, he was like a recluse. He was like in, he, you know, he, he locked himself away in like rooms and no window, you know, covered all the windows and darkness and, and you know, fear. What kind of life is that? What you can get. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world yet forfeits his soul? What good will it be? Is it really worth it? What kinds of things are, have you, you and I maybe made choices in where we've, we've kind of compromised so that we could get something and yet we're missing out on what the most important thing is? What can a man give in exchange for his soul? Well, I'm going to get a lot of money and then I can give a lot of money and then God will look upon me with great favor. No, it doesn't work that way doesn't work that way out. You can't buy your way into heaven. It doesn't work that way. We're going to talk next week about a final reckoning and, and about Jesus' return. But Jesus said that he was the way, the truth, and the life. And it's through him that we find life. I'll just quote to you from 1 Timothy where Paul says these words, Godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world. We can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we'll be content with that. People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. And some people eager for money have wandered from the faith even, I added the even part, and pierced themselves with many griefs. There's some that, 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 are not, that don't have any faith in Jesus Christ at all, and, and they're going after all these things. He says, you know what? It, it will plunge you into ruin and destruction. But then he even adds about believers here that some have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Even as believers, we can wander off into this, this, this zone of going after what the world has to offer. And again, don't misunderstand me. Don't don't misunderstand and say, well, we, don't, we need all these things. We need money to pay the bills. And, and yes, we do, but, but who's on the throne of our hearts is the question. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow his way. Follow him in our daily lives. Daily. This isn't just for people who want to come to Jesus for the very first time, and though I want to give you an opportunity. Maybe if you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus, I want to give you that opportunity today to give your life to him. But for those of us that have given our lives to him maybe years and years ago, daily take up our cross and daily follow him. Daily deny ourselves. Put him on the throne where he's the number one guy. Not the co-pilot thing. Jesus is my co-pilot. No. He's got to be the pilot. We don't know how to fly nothing. You and I got choices to make every single day. Every single day. 
Which way are we going to go? Who are we going to follow? Who's going to be on the throne? Again, we give him that, and then we take it back. We give it to him again, we take it back. So today's a new day, right? Today's a new day. And we can say today, I'm going to give it to you again. I know tomorrow, I may, I'm, tonight I may take it, on the way home I may, take it, I, I may take it back, but today, right now, I want to make a choice. I want, to, I, may, I want to make a choice to let you be God. Put you on the throne, not me. Because you know what? When I'm on the throne, it doesn't always turn out so good. I, you know, I'm 50-something. <laughs> and, you know, I've learned a few things in my life. I, I still I realize the more, the older I get, I realize how much I, I don't know, how little I know. But I've learned a few things that, you know, when I do it my way, it, it just doesn't turn out that great. When I do it his way, things happen. Exciting things happen. You acquire the fire. That's what we're talking about. Living for him every single day, there's fire there. It's good fire, though. It's not the fire, you know, where they don't serve, serve breakfast. It's not that fire. Everything's burnt down there, by the way. Some of you maybe, again, this morning, I want to I just give you that opportunity. Some of you have never accepted Jesus Christ. Jesus said, count the cost. If you, if you want to come after me, it's open to anyone and everyone, but count the cost. It's going to cost you, you giving your whole life to him, but it's the best choice you will ever make in your entire life, and I can say that from my own personal experience and from watching other people's lives. So maybe today is the day where you, where you simply say, I, I, I'm going to give it all to you. I want to give you that opportunity this morning. And maybe some of you others, that you know, you, you've been struggling and just kind of living for, for yourself, kind of living for, for you. And number one is you. And you say, well, you know what? Maybe I need to just, I need to, I need to like consciously say before God, you know, I want, I want to live for you. Today. Today. It's a conscious decision we make every single day. The self and flesh, they're kind of, you know, tricky. And they'll kind of slip back in and kind of, you know, work their, you know, thing to get back in that place. Because they're comfortable there. But it's not the right way. It's not the good way. Shall we pray? Okay, let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. And, and it is challenging to us, to our flesh and and our flesh screams out, I want to be, I want to do, I want to make decisions. You're not the boss of me. And all these stupid things we, we have from like when we're like little kids. And yet we're in our 20s and 30s and 40s and 50s and beyond. And we're still saying that our flesh is still screaming out the same things. God, forgive us. God, forgive us, please. And we humble ourselves before you this morning. And... And we say, we, we say to you, God, we want to do it your way. We want to follow the Bible. Not my own written code or the, the code of the world, but we want to follow the code of your word. Father, I want to pray this morning for any who maybe are, are, are here and, and uh, this is the first time they ever have thought about giving their lives to Jesus Christ. 
want to pray for them this morning. I want, I, want to, I want to ask, Father, you would pour your love upon them right now. They would know that you love them so much. This is all about the love of God, not any kind of a harsh God, but a loving God who gave his only son for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand and sing, shall we?